Please turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We're doing the second part of conquering temptation today. Hallelujah. We did two parts of Don't Blame God. <laughs> Amen. And today we're, we're concluding um, this little section. And we'll be going on to uh, something wonderful, the goodness of God, uh, in the next section. But let me read in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 to get us going. The Apostle James writes there again, and he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Verse 15, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now, we have looked at these verses in some detail, and I just want to sort of back off a little bit and just give you a bit of an overview here. Notice in verse 13, the first thing is what not to say. When, when you're tempted, don't say it's God. Because remember again that God can in no way be tempted. He doesn't have the capacity to be tempted by evil. And there is nothing about him that is evil. Remember we looked at uh, the scripture that said, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Amen? So we understand that God is perfect. He is righteous. Remember all the angels? We looked in Revelations. They, they sing holy, holy, holy. You know, I made a little joke and said, you know, it'd be one holy if it, there was a little bit funny on there. But there's three holies there. They sing about a righteous God. They sing about a just God. They sing about a God who will never tempt anyone. And remember when we looked at Matthew Chapter 6, when Jesus, you know, it's badly translated. When it says, lead us not into temptation, it's not correct. We looked at another version that actually put it better and said, don't let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because it's up to us. Because James just said, when you're tempted, don't say it's coming from God. Amen? But I want you to notice the second part. It talks about where temptation does come from. And he says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So he's, that's the problem right there. And then verse 15 goes on to say, what happens as a result of you being tempted? All right? When it says, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to, uh, to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So to me, the key is in the middle. If we can uh, successfully overcome whatever temptation is thrown our way, then the, verse 15 won't happen. Are you all with me? Amen? So that's what I want to do today, is I want to focus on how do we fight? How do we conquer temptation? Hallelujah. There are a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention. Remember we talked about the fact that there is a tempter. All right? <laughs> so our temptation comes from somewhere. Yeah. Now remember, we need to yield to that. We need to cooperate with that for the thing to work. Are you all with me? Amen. So it does come back to us again and what we do. So I'm going to be looking at both of these things. But, you know, one thing that we have to acknowledge is there is a tempter. Because otherwise, what happens is, you know, we start getting down on ourselves and the devil will help you with that. All right, he'll, he'll, he'll say, it's all your fault. It's all you. How could you think about that? 
But I really like something that Douglas J. Moore wrote. He said, James implies that temptation in and of itself is not sinful. Did you get that? Temptation in and of itself is not sinful. Everybody gets tempted. There is not one person on this planet, okay? They may say otherwise, but there is not one person on this planet that is without temptation. I don't care how holy they look. Because we are in a fallen body. This thing still needs to be redeemed. Amen. Of course, we, our spirit is perfect. Therefore, you know, that's why Jesus said the spirit is willing. But the flesh, dear God, it gives us trouble, doesn't it? Okay? I mean, the spirit wants to go one way and the flesh is screaming something else. And that's really what we need to deal with. So <coughs> the other thing I wanted to just share with you as well from that quote was he says Christian maturity is not indicated by the infrequency of temptation. Please get this but by the infrequency of succumbing to temptation. So it's not about how many times you're tempted, but how many times you yield to temptation. Amen? See, because some people, you know, they just think just because they thought of something bad, they have now sinned. No, you, you've sinned when you think about it a long time. And then when it leads to an action which verse 15 is all about. All the problems that result from the thing. But remember, we talked about nipping something in the bud. Amen? And so that, that's the key to all of this. In 1 Thessalonians 3.5, I want to show you something here that even the Apostle Paul was concerned about how this can ruin people's lives. When he's, and, and he brings something else out here. He says, for this reason, 1 Thessalonians 3.5, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. I don't know whether, we, I think we've got that. Or, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. All right, it says, for this reason, <clears throat> when I could endure it, no, endure it no longer, I also sent Timothy to find out about your faith for fear, listen, that the tempter might have tempted you and our labor should be in vain. So I want you to notice the Apostle Paul does two things here. Number one, he, he acknowledges that there is a tempter. Yeah. Amen? I think this is one of the biggest things that, you know, the body of Christ not recognizing a tempter, whenever they're tempted, think that it's them. But the Apostle Paul understood that temptation comes from somewhere. Yeah. Are you all here? And so he identifies a tempter. And I think it's really important that we identify a tempter. If we're going to fight back, right. we need to know what we're fighting. Yeah, exactly. Amen? Amen? Sometimes we're fighting our flesh so much, it's, and it's the thing that is attacking our flesh that we need to be fighting. Because right. uh, Apostle Paul did say that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That includes your own flesh. Yeah. Right. Amen? <laughs> but principalities and powers, those things that are attacking you and attacking your mind. So... That's one thing that he acknowledges here. But I want you also to notice the second thing. He talks about the danger of temptation and the damage that it can do. In fact, that word, uh, the final word that we say, which says, that, and our labor should be in vain, in the literal Greek, it actually carries the meaning of empty, void, pointless, and for nothing. He said, I don't want all of what I did to end up as nothing. Empty and void, useless. 
Because I, that, that's really important because, uh, you know, we're moving towards that place of being a supernatural church. Here it comes. And I don't want everything that God has done in us to be made void because of this. Are you with me? Because in order to walk in the supernatural, we need to allow God to work with us and we need to cooperate with God. Just the way people have to cooperate with sin in order for the thing to work, we have to cooperate with God for Him to work. That's right. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dad. Amen. <laughs> That's a good place to say amen. All right. Now, <laughs> I want to take you back to a quote from John MacArthur, because this is going to set the pace now for where we're going next. When he said again, it is only the Christian who is able to control his or her emotional responses to temptation when they first appear, who will effectively deal with sin in his or her life. This is the key, okay? And the principle of nipping in the bud has no better application than here. The battle must be fought in the mind where sin is conceived. Did you get that? That's where sin is conceived. It's in your mind. All right? That's the reason why we looked at 2 Corinthians 10.5 before. And I want to bring it to your remembrance where the Apostle Paul said, Casting down imaginations. You know, it is so important that whenever something comes to, to mind, to cast the thing down immediately. You know, we really need to learn to say no. <laughs> okay, the, those two little letters, N and O, put together, make something, make something so powerful that it can shut the devil and all of his operation. Just say no. You know, we used to do a, we did a thing a while back for drugs. We'd say, just say no, <laughs> you know, and something else. I don't want to talk about it. But, you know, anything bad, anything that is not of God, you just need to learn to say no to some things. And to yourself. How do you say that? With yourself? No. Did you get that? Do you want me to repeat it? Okay. <laughs> okay. I sometimes talk to myself. I say, Roche, no. You know, some days I got to call myself my name. You know, some days I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> All right? All right. It's amazing how powerful that is. Yeah. Try that. And, uh, not in a crowded bus and you know, people think you're nuts. All right? Okay. <laughs> but he says again here, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Do you know when the enemy starts tempting you and, and starts speaking lies to you, that is a high thing that is exalting its, itself uh, over and above the knowledge of God. We need to understand something there. That it has to actually get you to put down the word of God and take it up for it to work. Because as long as you hold on to the word of God, the thing won't work. I think one of the biggest problems we have in the body of Christ is, you know, people have preached too much about sin and all the wrong and not enough about righteousness and, and, and power and all the right. Now, I know one is important and I know we need to be aware of it, which is why I'm preaching it. Okay, but I, I, I believe that whatever you give, whatever you arm people with, if you're all the time telling people, oh, you be careful about this, you know, watch out for that, that's all they got on their brain. And that's all, you know, there's nothing powerful about that. It's all about fear. And we're going to talk about that today too. 
I better hurry up and get to it, huh? Anyways, <laughs> okay? But this is so important that you get a hold of this. That's the reason why, you know, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. So what are you believing? Whatever you are preached, whatever is preached, that's what you will receive and that's what you will believe. And that's the reason why I always want to focus more on the positive than on the negative, but there are some things that we need to deal with. Amen. And then we'll get to the other side. Today we're going the other side. All right. Now, and he says, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I think that is so very important, to the obedience of Christ. That's anointing as well. Okay? Bring it to the obedience of Christ, that anointing. If anything is coming to wreck that anointing, just say no. Because it's incredible, you know, when there's an anointing in our life, how things begin to work. There is a blessing on the works of your hands. We looked at Romans 12 too, which also talked about not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. Transformation is the key. It's the word metamorphosis. You literally need to be something new. You need to transform. And notice he says that be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know, it's only this transformation that will bring you to the place where you can prove God's perfect will. In saying that, what I'm saying is to walk in God's perfect will, obviously you're not sinning. Obviously you're not succumbing to temptation. I didn't say you will be tempted. You won't be tempted. You will be. But you won't succumb to the thing. Because you've been transformed. Are you all with me? And your mind knows what to say no to. I think that is such a key there. We talked about uh, Colossians 3, 1. And ver uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, if then... I, I didn't talk about this too much. I just want to uh, share a little bit more on this. It says, if then you were raised with Christ... If then you were raised with Christ. The Apostle Paul is saying now, if since you're raised with Christ, okay? He says, seek those things which are above because that's where you are. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And he says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth because that's where you're seated. That's where you are right now. And he's saying, listen, there's a part of you that is in Christ that is at the right hand of God right now. Amen? See, if we see ourselves in that position of power, and such a privileged place to be at the right hand of God. What a privilege. If we see ourselves in that place, then any temptation that comes, we'll say no to. Are you with me? Because we're there. We don't want any, anything to compromise that. You are in a position of power at the right hand of God. Use the thing. Amen? All right. Now, James chapter 4, verse 7. The apostle James said there, he said, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. For the longest time, I only got the second half of that verse. You know, so many people used to preach, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But they never preached the first part of that verse, submit to God. That's where the power comes from. When you're in submission to God, then you have the power to resist the devil and watch him flee. 
You try to do it on your own, forget about it, <laughs> okay? You are dealing with a very powerful being there. But when you're in submission to God, the power of God comes all over you. Oh, the presence of God comes all over you. The glory of God comes and the devil flees. Amen? Again, we do this with God. We don't do this apart from God. And that's what's so important about this. <clears throat> I want to give you something that really blessed me. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Since he, that is Jesus Christ himself, has gone through suffering and temptation. Do you see that? Suffering and temptation. He is able to help us when we are being tempted. Woo, hallelujah. That made me dance. That, I, you know, that blessed me so much because he knows what you're going through because he's been through it. Remember, we're dealing with temptation specifically here. So I really need you to see something here that it says, since he himself, he himself has gone through suffering and temptation, he's able to help us when we are being tempted. So you are not without help. As much as I'm sharing with you and telling you to put your foot down and say no, he is there, right there with you, helping you. Amen? And besides this, uh, <laughs> Pastor Eddie shared this scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, I've said here, even when, you know, Regardless of how much trouble you get into, let me preface it with this. Because we as carnal Christians, and I don't mean us, okay, those, them carnal Christians, okay, they can really get into some trouble, can't they? Yeah. I mean, dear God, you know, you know, all that makes a carnal Christian a carnal Christian is one that doesn't confess their sin. Do you all know that? Yeah. That's, that's the difference. The carnality remains. Otherwise, as soon as you confess your sin, you're spiritual. You are cleansed of all unrighteousness. You can't call that person a carnal Christian. No matter how many times they fall, as soon as they confess their sin, it's gone. Are you all here? So a carnal Christian is somebody that doesn't confess their sin. It's somebody that just carries on, okay? And, it's just, and the sin's getting heavier, and the problems and the penalties are getting stronger. But even with all of that, and you need to see all of that before I read this. Even with all of that, no matter how much the person messes up. Because they didn't come to full life. Anyway, okay, because <laughs> we preach this, man. All right. No matter how much they mess up, watch. The Apostle Paul says God is faithful. He's still faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Amen. See, he puts a limit on the devil. And the devil says, yeah, but they did this. He goes, yeah, that's my, that's my kid. There's only so far you can go, <laughs> you know. And he says, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it or endure it. See, understand something. Even for those rebellious Christians that just want to go their own way, do their own thing, don't ask God for forgiveness, want to hold on to all of their strife and whatever, still, still God is there. Still, God never leaves them, no, never forsakes them. See, that's, what, that's why when they get to heaven, they're just, I think they're just going to be saying sorry for the first thousand years. 
saying, oh, sorry, God, sorry, God, sorry, God. <laughs> you don't think so? Are you kidding? When they realize how wonderful God was to them, how much they should have got into trouble, how many things should have gone wrong, and God just stuck with them every step of the way. Amen? That's the daddy that we have. It saddens me when people preach this. You know, like a Christian is trying to do their best and God just slaps him with something and says, Here, try this on for size. Let's just see how you go through this. It's never going to be the case. You're never going to get to heaven and find that God put you through stuff. Ever. You know what you're going to find out? You put him through stuff. <laughs> Your whole life, man. They're like, jeez. Anyway. All right, moving on. <laughs> Wait, I have, to, I have to read something here. I've said again here, however, that the moment that you confess or acknowledge your sin, according to 1 John 1, 9, God is faithful. He is always faithful and he is just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, restore you back to a place of perfection, amen, and sinlessness before him. That place, see now, I need to say this in order to step into the next part. You have to do this before you can go on to what I'm going to say now. You've got to acknowledge your sin. You've got to confess the thing and get it out. Because as soon as you do, you go from being Jonah in the boat to Jesus. And you can rebuke the storm because you are perfect now before God. Are you all with me? And that's when all the other scriptures kick in, like Philippians 4.13. I can do, I can do all things through Christ, through Christ, not by myself, through Christ who strengthens me. See, we need to understand that it is Christ that strengthens you. The anointed and his anointing will strengthen you. But only if you confess your sin. But when you do, you're strengthened. The, it is there for you. Don't sit there, you know, confess your sin, and then just kind of sit there and wait for something else to happen. Fight. Get up and fight. You need to understand that you can do all things through Christ, who is promised to strengthen you. And that's why it says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The power of his might. The power of his might. Oh, that is powerful. That is incredible. Are you all with me? This is how you come against temptation. This is how you come against the tempter. You attack him head on. Don't let him get away with anything. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Let's go there. I want to show you something that will bless your little socks off. Okay. <laughs> I, I had not really seen this verse in light of temptation and the struggles that we, you know, that James talks about. So I want you to look at this verse in light of that. Okay. It says, this is God speaking. Who's speaking? God is speaking. You really need to acknowledge this because you need to understand where this is coming from. God says to you, fear not. A lot of times the biggest problem that we face is fear. I'm afraid I'm going to slip and fall and do this. 
And the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. Be why? Because he says, I am with you. He says, you're not by yourself. You got company. Amen? He says, I'm with you. And then he says, be not dismayed. Because sometimes we get to the place where we think, I've failed on this so many times in my life. And you're dismayed. And he says something here. He says, be not dismayed. I am your God. That thing isn't your God. That, you know, whatever that temptation is, is, isn't your God. Whatever that habit is that's been running your life, most of your life up till today, isn't your God. He's saying, don't be dismayed. Don't let that thing put you down. He says, I am your God. See, there's a couple of things you need to catch these. First of all, don't be afraid because God is with you. Well, I mean, what more do you want? Then he says, don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Watch this. He says, I am your God. And then watch, watch. He says, I will strengthen you. And I was thinking, dear God, I get it. This is not just outside strength. This is inside strength. That's when we fall is when we, when we weaken on the inside. Please get this. Who strengthens you? He doesn't say you strengthen yourself. He says, I will strengthen you. Oh, I mean, that just blew me away. I think if God's going to strengthen me, there's no way the devil's going to get any foothold in my life. But I have to allow God to strengthen me. Are you getting this? <laughs> okay. And he says, I will help you. I will help you. He said, you don't have to look to anybody else. He says, not only will I strengthen you, not only am I your God, not only am I with you. He says, I will strengthen you. And he says, I will help you. Which means when you, when you kind of start to slip there and you go, God, help. He goes, I'm here. I'll help. I won't judge you. You call for help and it's there, right then. Are you getting this? He says, I will help you. And this, this blessed me so much. He says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What is the greatest problem we face in temptation? Doing unrighteous acts. Are you getting this? Watch what he says. He says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In, in, in other words, he's saying, I'll give you this righteousness. That's why he says, their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. This is how he does it. He gives us his righteousness. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness and give us this righteousness. That's what we get. We get his righteousness. He upholds us with his righteous right hand. Are you getting this? This is such a powerful scripture. I looked at this and I thought, dear God, we should never, ever fail in our life. And the, the, the first thing you have to do is the first thing it says to do. Don't be afraid. We've got to stop being afraid. Fear drives so many people today. And it's the cause of basically all the failures in people's lives. Basically, somewhere or another, you can track it back to some kind of fear. Are you all with me? That's why faith is its counterpart and love attacks it. 
really love that, you know? <laughs> Fear can't exist where love is because God's there. And faith, that's what Jesus said, you know, why are you afraid? Where's your, yeah, he said, where's your faith? And he says, am I going to find faith when I come to this earth? Or is everybody going to be afraid hiding in a cave somewhere? <laughs> Not this church. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's why Romans 8.37, I'm tying all this together, okay? It, it, the Apostle Paul says, Regardless of what attacks we face, he says, yet in all these things, all these things, not a few, not the majority, he said, in all of these things, what are we? We're barely getting along. No. You know, just, just, you know, keeping pace. <laughs> no. It says, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. I really need you to see this in terms of temptation. We are more than conquerors. Temptation comes our way and we give it such a beating that it regrets it ever came our way. That's being more than a conqueror. That's, that's not, oh, temptation came, oh, I just made it, oh, by the sweat of my brow, you know, just kind of just, no. The temptation should be going and going, oh, I just made it. I just, in Ireland, she just whipped me, just beat on me. She just took the boots of the gospel and walked all over me. And singing the song, these boots were made for walking. I'm going to walk all over you. <laughs> okay, I shouldn't be singing. Anyways, <laughs> you know, we should be doing that. We should be walking all over the devil. Every time he comes and leaves, you should all have his, your footprints all over him. Amen. <laughs> Notice again, it is Christ. Notice it says that we are more than Congress through him. That is Christ who loved us. Okay. Now, Arkan Hughes says this. He says, when, uh, he says, Jesus is the source of victory over sin and temptation. And he is the course of a life which triumphs over temptation. Amen? He is the source of our victory. And our whole life should be following him. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul understood this so well and wrote in Galatians 2.20, giving us the key to living a life that always triumphed over temptation. And that is the understanding that I am crucified with Christ. I said this to you before. Dead bodies can't sin. He says, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We really need to be dead to our old self and alive to God. Amen? We need to remember that we were crucified with him. That all flesh was crucified with Christ. Praise God, now something else lives on the inside of us. That's why the Apostle John said, Greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. Amen? As we conclude, I want to give you just a couple of scriptures to help you with all this. In Proverbs 23, 7, 
This all goes back to how you think about yourself. It all goes back to the way you see yourself. If what I said this to you before, whatever you're seeing on the inside, that's driving you. We need to change the pictures on the inside. Are you all with me? Please change those pictures. It's going to take a little time, but make sure you do. Because otherwise you'll be continually, no matter what you put in your mouth, you'll be continually driven by those pictures. But over time, if your mouth speaks the word of God, it will change those pictures. And because you will change. And what you need to do is change from the inside out. So many people are trying to do it the other way. They're trying to change on the outside and hopefully it'll work its way in. But what you have to do is, it's not about not doing something. It's about changing inside so that you don't want to do those things. Amen? Smoking a cigarette for me is not a temptation because I don't want to. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I'm not a person that's smoked like forever and you know, I've just stopped myself because I'm just saying no. No, and even those that have been delivered from that don't have a desire to smoke anymore. It's a change from inside out. And they just stop. They, just, they don't make themselves stop. They just don't want to anymore. That's powerful. That's what you want. Proverbs 23, 7, 4, as he thinks in it, or her, as she thinks in her heart, so is he, so is she. As you think in your heart, why is it so important what you think in your heart? Because in Luke 6, 45, you know, I want to read the whole verse. The latter half of the verse is what I really want to focus on. But Jesus said, a good man or woman out of the good treasure of his or her heart brings forth good. You know, you put treasure in your heart. That treasure are all those pictures. That's a part of it, okay? Not all of it, but that's a part of it. And it says, an evil man out of, and, and woman, out of the evil treasure of his or her heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his or her mouth speaks. And we know from Proverbs 8, 18, 21, death and life are in the power of your tongue. See, this whole thing ties in together. As you start thinking right, you will start speaking right. As you start speaking right, then you are bringing life into your life. Okay? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? You're not bringing death, you're bringing life. And, but it all starts in the way you see yourself, the way you think about yourself. That's what the Apostle Paul talks about, the renewal of the mind. It is a key to all of this. Amen? Change the way you think. And also remember to not be afraid. God's working in so many ways. Remember, Isaiah 41.10. Remember that one. Amen? He says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. He will strengthen you. Wherever you're failing, he'll strengthen you. He will help you. Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for all of these promises, for all the things that we need to know, we need to do, and also, Father, for all the things that you've promised to do, that we are not alone in this. Whatever our battles are, we fight together. We win because we are together. And Lord, I just thank you if the enemy is trying to isolate anybody from God. Because that's the only way he can win. Is to isolate a Christian from you. The source of power, the source of wisdom. We just come against that right now in the name of Jesus. And we bind it in Jesus' name. 
And Father, I just thank you for all the Christians out there that are struggling with this, that they remember 1 John 1, 9. If we confess or acknowledge our sin, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and restore us back to a place where we can walk in the blessing, in the power, in the place where you are with us every step of the way and can help us. Hallelujah. The way you want to help us, God. Not just to overcome temptation, but to defeat and humiliate the tempter. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen.